Welcome to The Secret Life of Dietitians. I'm Laura Poland. And I'm Amy Keller. Hey, we're back. Welcome Yay. back. <laughs> so <Come> glad. To, <laughs> so glad to have you back and so glad to be back and excited to talk about uh, our heart health topic today. Yeah, so February is Heart Health Month, and we realized uh, a few days ago that we'd actually never done specifically a heart health topic. We've done things around heart health, like the DASH diet. Yeah. Um, we've never actually taken, which is kind of ridiculous. I'm aghast, yeah. <laughs> so we felt like it was a good time to do that, so we want to take care of your hearts today and talk about some simple dietary things you can do this February. It is good to be back, my friend. I have to say, it's been uh, it's been a long holiday season. <laughs> I've missed you. I've missed you. I missed doing this and getting to see you and talk to you. So, so a little little PSA for our listeners: COVID is still happening, and it's still happening in the hospitals. I can't encourage you enough to take care of yourself. Wear your mask. Wear two masks if you can. Yeah, that. wear two masks, huh? Yep, you should do that. It is. And then the vaccinations are rolling out, and I'm very excited about that. I've actually been very fortunate that I've gotten both doses, both doses of a vaccine. Yeah, um, I'm still waiting, but it'll be my turn soon. <laughs> right, it makes me feel a little safer about going into my workplace. But I encourage you that, you know, even at this time where we feel like cases are going down, which is very exciting, it's not gone away. And right. we need to still be quite careful and, and wash our hands and those types of things. But we thought we really take on heart disease today because, again, it is it is Heart Month. Yep. What's I didn't know that Heart Month has been going on for 57 years. Did you know that, Laura? I didn't realize how long. I just know yeah. it's been around for a long, long time. I feel like every year we celebrate it. And like I said, I was surprised that you and I haven't ever talked about it during February. So, so Lyndon Johnson, President Lyndon Johnson, was among the millions of people in the country who had a heart attack. So he issued the first proclamation about American Heart Month in 1964. Okay. And since then, all U.S. presidents have annually declared February to be Heart Month. This year, the theme, the theme varies from year to year. This year, the theme, according to the American Heart Association, and we'll post some links to this if you want to read more about it, is Heart to Heart, Why Losing One Woman is Too Many. Um, which is a campaign to raise awareness about women and heart disease. I still think that we are in a time, and I don't know about you, where there's an assumption that only men get heart disease. Yeah. Women, you know, women get breast cancer or whatever, but men men are the ones who get heart disease. But really, 33% of women, or a little bit more uh -huh. every year, you know, one in three women will be diagnosed with heart disease. So I think it's really, really important it's the number one killer, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, right. Everybody assumes because I think breast cancer gets the most press. Yeah. That there's the number one killer of women, but that's not the case. It is, it is heart disease. Yep. So I think that if there's some value to women making sure that they're not just taking care of their spouses or their partners and worrying about their heart health, but also protecting themselves. Right. Right. So we have some tips that we thought we'd go through today and talk about the different recommendations that are out there for taking care of your heart in terms of, well, we'll talk a little bit about exercise too and some other things, but 
primarily, of course, as dietitians, we're going to focus on the nutrition. Right. So number one. Is those eating as many fruits and vegetables as you can. Yes. Um, you can't go wrong. Right. I mean, can you think of a situation where somebody ate too many fruits and vegetables? Never. Never, no. never, never. Right. You can't go wrong. You cannot go wrong. Just increase those fruits and vegetables. Every I encourage my clients every time you sit down to eat, have a fruit or a vegetable, at least one. And uh, we talked, you know, before on this podcast, make half your plate produce, right? Right. Right. I, I love like that. them because they're low in calories, they're rich in fiber. And no matter the form that they take, right. fresh frozen can, yes, can. People still have trouble <laughs> with canned vegetables and fruits, assuming that they are unhealthy. Right. But because they they fit into every budget. People who eat canned fruits and vegetables eat more fruits and vegetables overall. Exactly. And that's the point. Right now, like, I love, you know, fresh peaches, but we live in Ohio and it's eight degrees out today. (laughs) Peaches are not growing in our local gardens right now. But canned peaches are on my shelf. Nice. Because they're available at any time of year. Sure, you want to make good decisions like not buying them in heavy syrup or not buying canned vegetables in full salts or buying creamed corn and things like that. Yes, those are reasonable decisions. But to be say it's because it's in a can that that's inherently unhealthy is is unfair and unnecessary. Yes, for sure. And I like that you mentioned the fiber. I wanted to talk about that a little bit because the fiber from the fruits and vegetables, I think that's... The number one reason why most of us are not getting enough fiber is if we just added the fruits and vegetables that we need to be eating in a day, we get enough of the fiber. And the fiber is important for your heart because the fiber helps pull cholesterol. And we know that when you eat fiber, it helps decrease the blood cholesterol. The other thing it does that fruits and vegetables can do is displace some other unhealthier foods. Yeah. So... You know, for example, you know, it's Super Bowl Sunday here in Ohio. And of course, you're not going to hear this until after the Super Bowl is over. And boy, can you believe that team won? I, I can't believe it. <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, fruits and vegetables are going to help round out our unhealthy meal tonight that we're going to have. We're going to have some chicken wings because it's the Super Bowl and why not? But I can add some fruits and vegetables, maybe to put where I might replace potato chips with more fruits and vegetables. But, you know, even in your daily life, you know, if you can use fruits and vegetables in place of pretzels and chips, or if you can use fruits and vegetables in place of a dessert, you know, using fruit for dessert, it's a great way to displace some of those other unhealthier foods. If you're a a meat and cheese tray person like I am, add some vegetables and not maybe so much meat and cheese. Yeah. Add a little tomato on top of your your little cracker or something too, or I don't know. Yeah, some peppers and have with with hummus rather than always having yeah, you know, charcuterie having you know those those types of things. Balance those things out. Yes. Yeah. Of course, you need them to be convenient. If you don't have things cut up, you won't eat them. Nope, I don't either. (laughs) No, I like to. How do you tell clients to deal with that? I have my strategies. What do you tell? Generally speaking, I recommend prepping your vegetables. Some suggestions I give them is when you get home from the grocery store, go ahead and wash up that head of cauliflower and cut it up. And 
you know, if you know you're going to use half for dinner one night, but then you know you have half of it that you can munch on at lunches or something like that. And then, of course, like just the convenient vegetables of baby carrots. Those are just so easy to buy in a bag and have on hand and to eat. It's a great grab and go. With vegetables, it's super easy to wash them and have them ready to go. And and they're not going to go as bad as maybe your fruits might if you wash those ahead of time. So I've also been a fan of the salad kits that are out there these days. Now, I know the more prepared and cut up the vegetables are already, it's more expensive. So we definitely want to keep that in mind. However, if uh, a lot of times those are can be on sale and things like that too. And it, the convenience is just kind of worth it. it. You know, right. when it comes down to it, sometimes for me, it's the time versus convenience, you know, it versus cost. And so I go for convenience a lot of times. Uh, I've had recipes that call for like butternut squash. So I'll buy the squash that's already cut up. It's so much easier than buying a whole squash and cutting it up myself. Um, I'm a big fan of veggie trays and fruit trays. And that's what I said, you know, that if it's too cumbersome and I might fall into this category, sometimes to always think about cutting up that fruit or coming cut them with those vegetables. If I throw a veggie tray and I understand the upfront cost is bigger, mm-hmm. but if I don't throw it away, right. That, you know, in a week when I've forgotten that it's there, I always think the stuff that you eat is inherently less expensive than the stuff that you threw away. Absolutely. So yes. You might spend three or four more dollars on a fruit tray, but if you eat it all, Right. You don't throw it away. Mm-hmm. Then you have saved money. Exactly. And the fact that you didn't, or you at least feel like you're being less wasteful. So mm-hmm. if you are able to, you know, if veggie trays are something that you can pull out before a meal if people are kind of milling around the kitchen and they're hungry, mm-hmm. or if you need something to munch on while you're preparing food. Yep. That's a big trap for us. I know sometimes I'll start munching on other foods <laughs> while I'm trying to cook dinner if I'm come home hungry. Uh huh. Um, have those fruits and vegetables that you can set out. Right. Yeah. Um, Another and, tip I've had, ahead. I'm sorry, I just, it, when it's, it's kind of like cold. So right now we're doing a lot of soups and stews. So if I'm chopping up onion and celery to make a soup mm-hmm. or something, I will double that however much I need for the recipe. And then I'll save the rest of that onion and, and celery and I will go ahead and mix up and make salads or like a tuna salad or a chicken salad so they can have it for lunch that week and so yeah so go ahead and like you know think about prepping is there a way to prep those vegetables so that you can make it easier to consume them later too and you mentioned soups and stews that's a great way to just get more vegetables in period yeah you know, even things like stir fries or, you know, like you can kind of make the vegetable the star of the meal, mm-hmm. you know, um, instead of always just like a half a cup of green beans with your meal, but making vegetables part of the main dish. Yes. You know, or making fruit part of the salad is a great way, is a great way to handle it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, you just can't go wrong with fresh, frozen or canned. Please do not be afraid of canned vegetables and canned fruits. It breaks right. my heart. Your patients say, well, if I can't buy fresh, I'm not buying anything yeah god forbid if i can't buy organic i'm not buying anything and that's right it's it's not worth it it's not it's not a a way to handle your health right right no matter the form 
And, and one thing about the can is a lot of times when you do, if you do have heart disease and you do have some certain issues where you might need to watch the sodium in your diet, rinsing those canned vegetables can still level the playing field and make those just as good for you. So, right. um, or at least those salt added or something like that. There's right. so many. There are there. a lot out there these days. Yes. Yeah. It's getting easier to find. Yeah. yeah. What about whole grains? So you mentioned about fiber and heart health. Let's talk a little bit about soluble fiber and cholesterol levels. Yes. Because that's really what's doing the trick there, right? Right. So yeah. what kind of tips do you give? I, I talk about oatmeal. Do you talk about anything else specifically? Actually, I've always told, so when I do those, like, you get your cholesterol tested and you find out you have high cholesterol, my go-to is always to talk to somebody very simply about adding more fiber. I talk about oats, apples, and beans. That's, that's my go-to. So at least once a day, I recommend you have either an apple or a serving of beans or some oats. So have oatmeal in the morning. In fact, I do challenges sometimes with, uh, companies and things like that. And we've done a oatmeal challenge in February in the past, you know, so we just challenge everybody. And what we did was we said, okay, you may not like oats. So we give you the option. You can just have an apple or a serving of beans because it's, you know, just as good for the soluble fiber. Right. Soluble fiber, how I visualize it is like a broom and it gathers (laughs) up that cholesterol and it, it gets rid of it. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking to lower that bad cholesterol, that LDL cholesterol, L for lousy is a good way how I think of it. Yep. Soluble fiber is your friend. Now, you said, Mike, tell me, I hate oatmeal, I hate apples, I hate, I hate bananas. So or, or, <laughs> what, do you, what do you tell people to do that? You know, well, then we talk about it. Really, any fruits and vegetables and then whole right. grains. So any kind of whole grain that you can add to your diet. So do you eat sandwiches for lunch? Could we make that a whole grain, you know, bread on your sandwich right. or whole grain wrap or whole grain pita breads and things like that? Or we also talk about uh, maybe you like a cold cereal, like Cheerios, maybe, you know, you might like, not like oatmeal, but would you eat Cheerios? Cause that kind of counts too. We've done that too, as an option. How about for, you? For my patients who really struggle to do this with food, I'm also not afraid to add, recommend a soluble fiber supplement. There you go. It's not a meal. And I, and I think we've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. You can never recreate in a supplement what you can get from food. However, there is some benefit to people who don't want to eat a lot of whole grains or are not interested in a lot of whole grains to doing like a soluble fiber and clear mixing supplement. The one that I think about is Benafiber, mm-hmm. um, but yep. or something like that. Yep. That soluble fiber supplement that you can mix into a beverage of choice or, or whatever. If that's the way you got to sneak it in, right? There's some research behind that. So. I think, you know, ideally I want people to do it with food because food is fun. And if you're eating oatmeal for breakfast, hopefully you're displacing a maybe a less healthy breakfast item with that oatmeal, you know, whether it's a bagel or something like that, doing the oatmeal instead. But if you're just like too much, not going to be able to do that, or this, I don't want to do that at this point, a soluble fiber supplement could be helpful as well. Sure. Um, 
how much have you experimented and how do you tell clients? I know this is something that people struggle with because I, I want people to eat whole grain pasta and brown rice and those types of things. But people say, well, it just doesn't taste good. Yeah. Yeah. So I always remind them, not all of your grains have to be whole grain as much as we encourage that. Uh, so it is possible to do a grain that maybe isn't whole grain. One of the things, one of the products that I found that I like because my family isn't a huge whole grain pasta fan is yeah. the Barilla in the yellow box. Yeah, it's I love yes. I love that one too. It's, it's high in protein and it isn't high in fiber. It's just not necessarily whole grain, but right. it tastes good and it's still adding that fiber. So right. you might try something like that if you're not a big fan of the whole wheat pastas. Uh, there are other pastas that I've recently tried that Banza pasta. I think it's called Banza. It's made out of beans. Oh, the bean pastas. The no, bean see, I pastas. Didn't think that. I, I, did, we, I think I had that at a conference once. I was like, Ugh. Didn't but care anyway, for it. It's a, taste, it's a taste adjustment, that's for sure. Yeah. I don't know. We didn't have a problem. Maybe, you know, and, and I always said this with the whole grains. When the whole grains first came out, they tasted like cardboard. So, yeah. you know what I mean? So, they did improve the product with time. And so, if you haven't tried it in about 10, 20 years, you might try it again. It might be right. better for you. But the same thing with the bean pastas. I don't know. I I thought it was okay. It was acceptable. It was slightly different though. It's definitely yeah. not the same as having regular pasta. And sometimes that's just what we want to have. You know, it's one of those comfort foods at this time. You know, we, we made mac and cheese last night and, you know, I don't know how that would have gone with whole grain pasta, but if I'm going to make like a spaghetti, mm -hmm. I'd actually prefer the whole grain pasta. I like a little bit more, feels a little chewier, yeah, yeah. A little more texture, prettier. Then white pasta, white pasta goes down really fast and it doesn't fill me up the way I yeah. think a whole grain pasta would. But there's going to be certain recipes you're not, it's not going to be appropriate to use a whole grain noodle. Um, you can also go half and half. This is something that I, when I work with a patient, I say, you know, if you want to, of course, you have to cook them in different pans because they have different cooking times. But if you did a small bowl of whole grain pasta and a small bowl of white pasta and then mix them together. Uh-huh. For for years, I would recommend to my clients the same thing about rice. So yeah. I would say, well, take your rice. And what I do is I buy a bag of white rice and a bag of brown rice and I mix them and I actually do cook it together. And, okay. and it just takes, you put a little bit more water and just a little extra time and it turns out just as good if you ask me. And that way, half of my rice is a whole grain rice, right? And so it's not all brown rice. Uh, I had never thought to do that with my pasta until one of my clients said that they did that. And I was like, that is such a great idea. So, yeah. Very good. Well, let's move on to those protein sources. So we want to be as lean with our protein as possible. We've talked about the vegetarian version, like versions of burgers and things like that. And I think we probably have busted the myth that they are significantly yeah. heart healthier. And in fact, if you think back to our episode on the Impossible Burger, mm -hmm. um, we talked about how it actually is a lot higher in salt right. than um, Which regular is... ground beef would be, which was very surprising to me. Right. Right. And it's not. Yeah. And so it's also then an issue for heart health. And something right. to take in mind, take take into consideration. Right. So, if you're looking at lean protein sources, we're talking about things that you can either trim the fat off of, 
or choose a low fat version. So if we're talking about dairy products, talking about, you know, something that's lower in fat and lower in calories. I know that whole milk dairy is made to come back and that, and, and I honestly, I have no problem if people want to use whole milk yogurt or whole milk dairy occasionally because they like the taste or whatever. Right. That's fine. Putting multiple cups of milk every day and you're worried about your weight, lower fat is just lower calorie. Right. Story. Right. Right. I think if you have heart disease, that's when I need to talk to you about maybe considering the lower fat and the, you know, low, f- the no fat milks. If you're drinking, like you said, a lot of milk in a day, but for heart disease, we do want to focus more on, you know, reduced fat dairy. I find to me, there's some reduced fat dairies that you can get used to like anything else and they taste just fine. And if it's a good way for you to reduce the calories and then reduce the saturated fat in your diet, that's good to do. So for example, sour cream is one of the big ones. I, I almost get to the point where I don't even like the real full fat sour cream anymore because it is so thick and I realize it's so thick and I'm like, oh, I better not use a whole lot of that, which maybe is good, but I'm just, I've gotten used to the reduced fats. So there, a lot of the things I think we're talking about with proteins and we're going to talk about salt too a little bit later is these are things that you can get used to. And so if you do have heart disease, these are things that a gradual change to that will help you get there. We did this with our milk because when I was in school, I was learning about this and I was like, oh, well, I can help reduce our fat intake of our milk, you know, and uh, I did it gradually with my husband and we we got down to skim milk and we don't have a problem with it anymore. But it was a huge change to go from 2% to skim milk. And so doing it gradually is a great way to do that. I think we can bust one myth about protein for years. It felt like the nutritional dogma was that eggs were bad for your heart. And I think we can pretty safely say, of course, within reason. Right. Um, Eggs are not likely causing your heart disease. Right. And the dietary cholesterol that's found in eggs has shockingly little to do with your actual cholesterol. Right. Yeah. That's one thing. Dietary cholesterol, like, really within reason has very little to do right with your cholesterol levels it's and, more about that it's more about calories mm-hmm. and dietary cholesterol so yeah eat your exactly eggs, they're, good, they're great protein you can eat the yellows it's okay you know <laughs> if you like the whites if you that go for it if you like egg white omelets have at it that's mm-hmm. fine but you can eat the yolks as well right i mean and uh, can i just say i mean just if you like the whites great if you're still a fan of the yolks, there's no reason to feel bad about that. I mean, there is a lot of nutrition that's in that yolk. There's vitamin D, there's a lot of other vitamins and minerals in that yolk that are beneficial to us. And yes, that's where the cholesterol is too. It's right. right. But, and you're not going to cause heart disease by having an egg every day. Right. Right. And it, that's part of your breakfast routine. You're actually eating some good protein at breakfast. Yep. Or if you're having a boiled egg as a snack in the afternoon, don't feel like you can only eat the outsides. Right. And then you have to throw away the center because that's just not necessary at all. Right. Of course, being smart about protein, 
with processed meats and deli meats. And I, I love the convenience of a turkey sandwich. I, I'm not going to lie. But probably shouldn't be an everyday food. Right. Um, because we're significantly higher in salt. And just a processed meat's probably not great anyway. Yeah. But again, if you treat yourself to hot dogs a few times a year, I don't get too excited. Or if you're eating yeah. bacon once a month, who cares? It's really those daily choices. Exactly. Affect our, or affect our health. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. How about chicken and chicken with the skin on versus skin off? Right. So, you know, if you can, if you want to cook the chicken with the skin on to preserve juiciness, that's fine. Mm-hmm. You can remove the skin before you eat. Of course, we know that white meat chicken is going to have slightly less fat content than dark meat chicken. I'm getting ready to eat some chicken wings tonight. And you know what? It's the Super Bowl. So I throw that out the window. I don't eat chicken. I probably eat chicken wings three times a year. And so it doesn't matter what I eat. But if I was a regular consumer of chicken with the skin on, I probably need to be aware of that. For sure. And for those of you out there who do eat chicken wings on a regular basis, I'll do a quick plug. The American Heart Association does have a website with a lot of recipes and recipe ideas I just recently did a cooking demo and demonstrated their saucy chicken wing recipe, which is basically boneless chicken breasts. And then you do coat them and cook them in a slow cooker. It's actually a very easy recipe to make. So if you're eating chicken wings all the time, maybe consider doing something different and using more, doing a chicken wing that's made with a boneless chicken breast instead of the wing wings all the time. That's great. And then, you know, finally on to fish. <laughs> I, I get constant questions about like, well, I eat a lunch meat sandwich every day and I, what else can I eat? Tuna. Tuna. Tuna is a great substitute mm-hmm. for always doing turkey or ham mm-hmm. for your lunch. So, you know, if you want to eat lunch meat, if you if you take your pack your lunch every day and you're doing that five days a week, could you substitute tuna two of those days a week mm-hmm. and then make it better on the third day? So you're only having lunch meat twice a week. Because right. there's just a variety. Yeah. You know, fish a couple times a week. But also, you know, things like salmon are great choices. And mm-hmm. salmon is one of those things I know can be a, an acquired taste for people. Yes. Um, and I always think if you don't like salmon, try cooking it a different way before you give up on it. Because yeah. It's, you know, I hate to tell people like, oh, I, I didn't like it. I didn't like it steamed in the oven. Okay, well, then try grilling it or, or something different before you give up on it. Yeah, I have to say I, I am one of those. I was not a big salmon fan. I'm not a big fan of fish that taste fishy. So I try to stay away from those. But I have to say I love like I found out that I loved blackened salmon. So Ooh, yeah. So, you know, find like to your point, just find a way you might find you might like it in other ways. So I may not like it as a salmon salad instead of a tuna. I'd rather do a tuna salad than a salmon salad. But yeah, grilled um, and blackened, I think is my preference. And I've found I really enjoy it. That's great. So, um, And then of course, things like nuts and beans are great sources of protein. So again, you know, peanut butter, you know, whatever type you like, would be a great option, especially like I said, if you're looking to mix up that lunch meal. I feel like people really struggle sometimes with the lunch meal and they sort of default to the lunch meat sandwich. Right. And there's so much more you can do. Yeah. With 
And so have some fun with it. And mm-hmm. peanut butter is a great source of heart healthy protein. Almond butter, if you like that, that's great. But don't feel like if you're not doing almond butter, you're not being healthy because peanut butter is also very healthy. Right. And it is high in fat. However, right. it's it's high in the healthy fat and healthy oils. So that leads us right into those healthy fats and healthy oils. Awesome. Thankfully, trans fats are no longer in the U.S. food supply. So all of those, that time I spent instructing people <laughs> not to eat partially hydrogenated fats. Yeah. Thankfully, um, they were banned in the U.S. food supply about a year or so ago. There will still be some naturally occurring trans fats in foods, but in terms of artificial man-made trans fats, you're not going to find those in the U.S. food supply, which is wonderful news. It yes. happened a long time prior. It's easier to explain now these days. Yes. So I always think about that, that healthy fat versus not so heart healthy fats. You think about the saturated fat versus the, what we call unsaturated fat. And the easiest way to think about that is the fats that are solid at room temperature are your saturated fats. Those are not as heart healthy. Those are not heart healthy. Those are what increase that LDL or the lousy DL, you know, the, the lousy cholesterol. And then anything that's more like liquid at room temperature, those are what we call the unsaturated fats and the healthier fats for us. So generally speaking, that's kind of the easiest way to think about it. So if you think about your choosing, for example, substituting, if you're using a lot of butter, can you use canola oil? Or if you're using a lot of butter, can you use olive oil? You can actually bake with olive oil. It's a bit of an acquired taste. I would recommend extra virgin probably for baking just because of the lighter flavor. Just like everything we've already, else we've already talked about. If you use, you know, just a little bit of butter on a baked potato and that's the only time you ever use regular butter, fine. I, that's, you know, right. but if you're spreading something on bread every meal, if you're spreading something on toast every morning, if, you know, if you're bringing your butter container out of the refrigerator several times a day, it yeah. might be beneficial to look at something that's a little heart healthier. So, yep. you know, expand your mind to say, okay, instead of buttering our bread at night, I'm going to dip it in olive oil. I love or doing that. That's, Me too. That's I mean, my I go-to. It's <laughs> fun to do in restaurants, but you can do it at home. Yeah. There's no reason that you can only do it in a restaurant. Right. It's so easy. If if all you have is garlic powder in your, you know, herb spice drawer and a little salt and pepper, and then I put olive oil on top of that and just let it sit until dinner, it's great. It's just a great way to... And then sometimes I do get a little fancy and add in a little oregano or Italian seasonings. And uh, so we have fresh garlic sometimes too, if I really want to like put on the Ritz, they say. (laughs) You can, you know, things things like salad dressings and those types of things, try to use. That's my only issue with the salad kits. So I I love salad kits because I am not creative about my salads. But I have noticed some of those salad kits can be very high in calories and it's the dressing. It's the dressing, yeah. So here's my trick with that, though, is I have to say a lot of times I don't really care for the dressing that it comes with. And I will just make my own dressing. It's super easy to make my own vinaigrette. And I I prefer a vinaigrette most of the time with my salads. And so just a little olive oil and then I'll mix up the different vinegar that I choose for it. And I'll just... Um, make a little salad dressing up and then put the salad in and toss it 
and I I kind of just use my own. And I, I, I don't even buy salad dressings at the store. So I've got a great handout. I will put it in the show notes on how to make your own salad dressing because it really is easy and there's you can just play with it so much. It's just a basic formula and you can – so if you're interested in that, I think that's a great way to go to – change out the oils and make sure you're getting healthy oils and not relying on the dressings that come in the salad kits. Good point. Right. Yep. Add up in fat calories and even sodium. I've, I've seen ones that yeah. are, you know, like, I mean, they're delicious, like, you know, bacon and blue cheese and those type <laughs> things, but let's not confuse that for a health food. Right. It's exactly. Not, at that point, that's not a healthy salad at that point. That's yeah. more like a restaurant salad, which can be quite high in, in fat and calories. Yep. And that also adds up, like I said, in sodium. And let's kind of work with sodium here for a moment. Okay. Yes. We've talked about the DASH diet. We've had a previous presentation on the DASH diet almost a year ago, which feels like 10 years ago. Thank you, COVID. Um, (laughs) We're talking about reducing sodium, but I think we can do even more to reduce sodium in our diets, more Mm -hmm. than just not using the salt shaker. I have so many people say, well, I don't use the salt shaker. And that's wonderful. Yeah. Great start. Right. So, yeah, and I think I probably had said this before, but I mean, it used to be that that's where most of our salt was coming from in our diets, but these days it's not. It, most of the sodium in our diet is is from the food itself and from the processing of our foods and things like that that we're eating. So adding salt at the table, while it's not great and you want to watch how much you do, generally it's coming from a lot of other places too. I think one of the things that I've been trying to do is like reduce sodium where we're not going to miss it. So mm-hmm. one of our favorite things to make here at the house is a risotto. Um, uh-huh. My husband can eat risotto every day uh, <laughs> if I let him. Um, he could really, he really loves risotto. <laughs> one of the things that we add to risotto is broth. And so mm-hmm. I've been using reduced sodium chicken broth. Yep. If I eat broth. And then I can add my own salt to taste at the end. But if I'm not using the saltier broth to cook it in, to start with, it allows me a little more freedom to, I always feel like I can control how much sodium I'm putting in rather than using a saltier broth. Absolutely. Yes. I always. So if you can find something that's a reduced sodium, like soy sauce or reduced sodium ketchup or barbecue sauce, you're not going to miss it as much as you would maybe, Yeah. you know, somebody who, it might be hard for somebody to say, well, I'm going to eat reduced sodium potato chips, but you might be able to say, I could reduce the sodium in the broth that I use or the soup that I buy. Mm -hmm. I say the same thing with uh, peanuts. I'm not a big fan of no salt peanuts. Uh, I I like the lightly salted ones though. And at this point I got used to that. And if you look at the sodium content of a lightly salted peanut, it's within reason versus the the regularly salted peanuts that can be extremely high and not good for us. So I think salt also is something that I talk to clients about being something like you said, it's, it's somewhat of an acquired taste. And so we have, we have so much salt in our diets. And now that maybe we're not eating out as much, it's a good opportunity to get used to less sodium in our diets. 
And I, I love what you said about the low sodium, like soy sauce and low sodium broth and things like that. I highly recommend that with my clients because a lot of times you're just not going to notice it. It's a gradual change down. A lot of the recipes that are on the American Heart Association website have no salt added. And a lot of times they're adding herbs and spices instead of salt. And sometimes that can help and you don't miss it. But that means I think it, it takes some gradual decreasing of that to get to the point where you can maybe get by with no salt added to your recipes. Right. And getting creative with your herbs and spices. I'm probably not a good piece of advice on this, but there are wonderful resources out there on how to use your herbs and spices. You know, um, when, when's it appropriate to throw something that's a fresher versus a dried herb and if, I, I will say, if you do not feel that your herbs and spices are satisfying, I would encourage you to look how old they are. Yeah. If they've been sitting in your cabinet for many years, they lose their potency. They don't go bad, per se. Right. But they're just not potent. They're not flavorful. They're not as flavorful. And, yeah. Right. So if you're saying, well, this, you know, this isn't hitting the spot. Well, if it's seven years old or eight years old, it might be time to replace it with something that's a little more recent yeah. and a little bit more flavor. So, you know, I... To encourage if you're saying, well, my, you know, my, you know, dill doesn't taste good anymore. Well, it's because it's probably you know, right. 10 years old. Yeah. And it's a you know, good time to go. They're, they're not shelf stable forever. Let's right. Put it that way. Right. Yeah. I would say just if you smell it and you can't determine that it smells like what it says it smells like in there, you probably want to get a fresh, you know, herb opened. <laughs> right. so. Again, you can utilize the flavor of those herbs. And right. I would say if you're uncomfortable with herbs and spices, and I would not say I'm the most creative with them, again, there are tons of good resources out there, whether in print, you know, even just grabbing a cookbook from the library mm -hmm. versus going online and looking for recipes. There are just tons and tons of options out there. There are. Yep. And then finally, on to allowing yourself those treats. Life happens, COVID happens, we're all stressed <laughs> out, comfort food's a thing, it's fine, yep. you know, and not beating yourself up, but also realizing that, yeah, you know, for example, like I said, with our house tonight, we're going to have chicken wings, and then I'm thinking I'm going to cut up some peppers, and because I think if I just add chicken wings and fries, it would also, I probably wouldn't feel very good. Right, yeah. You know? If I cup up those peppers and I have some strawberries with some, you know, even some dip or something mm -hmm. like that. It's just a, a mix of a meal, but I'm still not saying, well, I'm not going to have chicken wings. Right, right. When I did the demo for with the chicken wings, we actually did a spinach dip on the side, a heart-healthy version of the spinach dip with whole wheat pitas. That's a whole meal. You've got your protein, you've got your vegetable, you got your pita. I know for me tonight, we're going to do... So I have some leftover chicken. I'm going to do like a chicken, a hot chicken, like a uh, buffalo dip type thing. So it's kind of like right. chicken wings uh, in a bowl. And then I've got some whole grain pitas, but I'm also going to cut up some celery and carrots and put those out as well with it. So, right. yep. You know, you don't have to. Deprive. <laughs> right. Well, it's not a, a strict diet where like, oh, I had a handful of potato chips. Guess I blew it for the week. That's not the case at all. We're talking about heart healthy eating. Right. This is a case where you can fit in some indulgences. You can have cake on your birthday and you can't, you know, yeah. those types of things. There's just nothing wrong with that. Just making sure that you, on general, 
you know, yes. are having mostly healthy foods with an occasional indulgence. And I think that's totally fine to do. Yep. And then getting active. I, I walked five miles today in eight degrees and I couldn't have. <laughs> she said but she shouldn't have if you didn't don't, don't be stupid like me and go outside I mean I, I felt like I was appropriately dressed apparently not <laughs> it is like, cold out there today but that has ruined my workout routine I'm right I work hard to hibernate is what I'm afraid of here you know yeah I try not to I'm trying to get out in the cold dress appropriately but Good for you for getting out there. Find those videos, you know, you mentioned before we got started today that you had done some cool stuff even with VR, with virtual reality. (laughs) Yep. Uh, My son got a VR headset and so he's got the whole family in this VR bug. And so we have a game that's kind of fun. It's called Beat Saber and it's making you squat and step and, you know, move your arms quite a bit. It's kind of fun. And just going on YouTube. Um, right, YouTube my, videos. My yeah. favorite places to go is Fitness Blender. Fitness? The video, fitness Blender, between 10 and 30 minutes, depending on how, what workout you want to do. Nice. If you want to do like a 10-minute arm workout, I mean, I think most of us have 10 minutes. That yeah. Thing. They have like specifically just squat workouts that are 10 minutes that I will confess occasionally I've done in my office at work if I have nice. 10 minutes at the end of lunch. Just little things you can do like that. To mm-hmm. not let yourself become completely sedentary this winter. I know yes. the weather is not beautiful, even though it is sunny. It's cold. Or the weather, maybe the roads are not in great condition where you live, or the sidewalks. But yeah, try <laughs> try to do something every day. Right. You're going to sleep better if you do this. Yeah. It's not even about weight. It's not even about you're just going to sleep better. You're going to be less stressed out. Yeah, it's um, a stress thing right now. Something. Every yes. day is when sometimes at night I'll get home and I don't feel like going and doing a workout, but I could go and do 10 to 15 minutes of marching in place and squats and, you know, sit ups and just, just 10 to 15 minutes. That's it. That's yeah. All I'm gonna do. I do the same thing. I, I, cause you know, put on the TV, watch something and, uh, I've even just walked around like my kitchen has an island. So I use that in my kitchen table to make like a figure eight <laughs> and just kind of mix it up and just kind of walk inside. It's not as great, but marching in place. I, I sometimes will jog in place. In fact, I have a mini trampoline. So if I really want to jog in place, I can get on that. And even just going up and down a flight of stairs in your yeah. home. Yep. Like I'll, I'll kind of walk around and then like, if it's a commercial, I'll walk down the stairs and walk back up, you know, and then I'll right. walk around some more and then I'll walk upstairs and come back downstairs, you know? So right. you can get a decent workout at home. Yeah. Right. It doesn't have to be, you know, going out and, and running five miles. It can just be being more active in your home. Yeah. There's so many opportunities. I think just even like you said, making extra trips up and down the stairs. Sometimes I'll do mm-hmm. that with laundry. Yes, I could carry up all of this stuff in one trip where I can make three or four trips. Right. Just give myself a little bit more activity. Mm-hmm. It all adds up. Yep. It really does. And it like does. I said, it's not just about weight. It's not about heart healthy. You'll rest better. Mm-hmm. You'll be less stressed out. So if you're mm-hmm. finding you're having trouble managing your stress, and we all still are, I think probably um, exercise is your friend. Yes. Well, I am so glad we got to talk again and yay, yay. we're going to try and keep this going 
But we do love your help too, our listeners. If you're enjoying our podcast, you can do us a favor by subscribing or rating our podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. Uh, We really do enjoy your feedback. Looking for your show ideas. Um, We have a couple ideas of some things we're going to be unpacking later this month. But as we get into March and April, we would love to hear if there are things that you still would like to hear about. We'd love to hear about those. You can reach us at our Instagram at at the Secret Life Dietitians. You can uh, tweet us on Twitter, although I can't guarantee I'll check it. (laughs) I'll do my best. Um, But you can also go to our website at secretliferd.com secretliferd.com you can also email us there at dish at secretliferd.com so we look forward to seeing you again wherever you get your podcasts